0: Amen. Bobby said hi, Eli. Bobby said hi. We're gonna we're gonna dive into this, and we're gonna get into some scripture. And actually, I'm gonna start today in Exodus. I'm gonna start in Exodus today, um, back there, uh, CJ instead of James. Um, and so, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus 33 uh, with me. Uh, it's a good idea to uh, bring your Bible to church, and you can see that I'm not making this stuff up; that it actually is written in the scripture. They will also have it up on the screens as well. And I want to talk about this prayer. This um, series actually was birthed very, very much from my heart. Um, because several weeks ago, and I've told this story before, it might have been months ago, somebody challenged me what my spiritual life would be like if all of a sudden the Bible was no longer around. Because I'll be honest with you, my quiet time is probably, or at the, that point, was probably 90% reading the scripture and about 10% meditating and praying. And as that question was asked me, I was very much challenged because we were at the time reading a book called The Insanity of God about missions work all over the world. And there are places, uh, China, uh, in China where people don't have the Bible at all. In fact, they were given like two pages of the Bible and they had to teach months out of that and study months out of that because that's all they could get because they had one Bible and they split it amongst 150 churches. And so reading that, and being challenged with that question, I was like, what would my spiritual life be like if I did not have access with the Bible? And I want to be able to say that it would be very, very strong, very, very good. Well, well how does that develop? How, how does that relationship develop? And, and of course, the conclusion that I came to was prayer. And as I'm thinking about prayer, and I'm thinking about my prayer life, of course, I was challenged in thinking that my prayer life was not very strong. We all have those strengths and weaknesses in our lives. And I was like, my prayer life could really, really use some massive improvement. I pray very, very short prayers. And most of the prayers that I pray are transitional prayers. They're prayers before we eat or they're prayers uh, on Sunday between services or they're quick prayers that I throw up uh, in circumstances or when I'm driving in the car. And I was like, I want to increase in my prayer life. And I instantly at that point got on Amazon, actually I got online, and I typed in the best books on prayer, because I felt like I really wanted to grow in this area, so give me the best books on prayer. And so I started reading reviews, uh, doing some research, and I bought two books right there. And one of them was this book by Timothy Keller called Prayer. And so I started reading this book, and I gave it to my staff then, and eventually we decided that we were going to go through it not just as a staff but as a church together and so we're going to talk about these main points that are in this book but of course we're going to talk about them from my perspective and of course the staff's perspective as much as his as well. I'm going to use several quotes from this book but we are going to to work hard at increasing our prayer life. Let me tell you exactly what I want during this series that I have a vision for During this series, a vision for myself and a vision for all of you as well. And we have five weeks to accomplish this. I don't think it's going to happen, but we can set things in motion uh, for this to happen. The first thing that I want, I want us to have a Moses-like prayer life. And that's why I had us open to Exodus 33. Starting in verse 7, it says, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. each at his tent door. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face-to-face as a man speaks to his friend. That is, that's powerful, isn't it? I want us, church, all of us, you, me, to have a relationship with God where we speak like face-to-face as we would a friend. Now, I had the opportunity, also the obligation to take my kids school shopping last weekend. How many people have done school shopping? Not, not that many people have kids in, in this room, I guess that are still in school. But we had we went school shopping and we went to the mall and I had really looked forward to this. But you know what I wasn't looking forward to? The school shopping. How many people know that, right? Amen. The mall is of the devil. We've established that for years. You know, Satan does not li- or Satan lives at Walmart. Um, and so we we don't we don't like I don't enjoy those types of places. But you know what I do enjoy? I do enjoy spending time with my kids. I enjoy it. And whilst I did not enjoy standing outside of Victoria's Secret for two hours while my girls were in there, I did enjoy the time that I had and the conversation I had with both of my boys. As we were all waiting together, we went down to Dick's and we putted on the little putting green. We went over and bought cookies together as we waited for my three daughters and my wife to buy underwear. How long does it take to buy underwear? You buy the little packages on the shelf, it comes in packages of five, right? I mean, jeepers creepers, people. But (laughs) thank you, Chuck. But we were able to spend so much time together. And I hate, I hate, I hate shopping but I love and truly enjoy the time that I got to spend with my kids. How many people know that life can throw all kinds of crazy circumstances at us? And I wanna to be to the point where it's like, it's, 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 not, it's not about what's going on, it's about who I'm with. And it's about the fact that I'm with my heavenly father. And I have a friendship with him that is so great that it just, does, it just doesn't matter what we're doing. It just doesn't matter what we're doing. We could be at the mall, but you know what? I'm with the Lord. And I enjoy it. Why? Because he's there. That's her relationship. That's that friendship that I so desire for all of us to have and experience. That that desire to be with him. To go through every day. I can wake up and rejoice in the Lord today. Why? Because I get to be with the Lord today. That's what I want. There are times that I do things that I don't enjoy. Shopping. But it's who I get to be with that matters. And I did enjoy it. Why? Because they were there. Or when I go golfing with my friends and my buddies, I look as forward to the game as I do spending time with them because it's about the time together. And that's how I want our relationship with God to look. I have a quote here that I want to read. I read this a couple of weeks ago, the first line of it, and I want to finish it off. It says, the infallible test of spiritual integrity, Jesus says, is your private prayer life. Many people will will pray when they are required by culture or social expectations or perhaps by the anxiety caused by troubling circumstances. Those with genuinely lived relationship with God as Father, however, will inwardly want to pray and therefore will pray even though nothing on the outside is pressing them to do so. That's where I want our relationship, church. I want our relationship with God to be at the point we're not praying because of circumstances we're not praying because it's culturally normal or we're supposed to like before meals but we are praying because we have a friendship with god we have a relationship and an awe with god a fear of the lord as well to where we desire it we know who he is we know who we are and we want nothing more than to speak to him that's what i want i have another thing that i want i want our church to be so strong In our prayer lives that everybody in defiance knows it and whenever there is a need they tell people you've got to go tell these people at family christian center when they pray things happen when they pray there's crazy miracles that take place therefore whatever your need is you got to go talk to them go let them know get on their prayer chain because god moves when those people pray that's a desire that i have to see for us For years, we have been recommended by government agencies when people need help. Go and Family Christian Center will help you out financially. I want us to be recommended by those government agencies for our spiritual strength, not the financial strength. That's what I want. That's a desire. That's a passion. That's a vision that I have for us. I would love it if the superintendent of the high school would call us when there's a struggle or a need up there because he just needs us to pray. I would love it if the mayor would do that. I would love it if the police chief would do that. I would love it if they would call us, recommend us, send people to us. Why? Not because we can help out even though we want to, but because we can pray. And when Family Christian Center prays, things happen. That's a desire. And the last thing that I have that I want us to experience, which this one was very important for me to put in after those first two, I want us to not feel guilty or be discouraged about where our prayer life currently is after we see those those big pictures in that vision it can easily be like man we can just feel guilty like I'm just not there I'm just not there I'm not even close Andy I don't know where to where to start or what to do and that's why we're going to work on this we're going to talk through this that's why we're going to grow in this that's why we're going to take steps the next five weeks is because we can look at those two statements that I just made and we can go that's impossible and let me tell you what I don't want. I don't want guilt, and I don't want shame. Why? Because guilt and shame don't often lead us to a greater relationship with God. They don't. In fact, most of the time when we experience guilt and shame, it pulls us away from our relationship with God. So I don't want you to experience that these next five weeks. I want you to understand that nobody feels like they have arrived in their prayer life. Nobody does. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures, I'm going to ring this up, Luke 11, verse 1 and CJ would you throw that on the on the screen for us now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray you see these men that were living with Jesus that were doing life with Jesus still looked at Jesus and said you got to teach us how to do this i don't know how to do this teach us to pray help us to pray we, we, want to, we want to really, really, really dive in to this relationship with God. I have another quote I want to read here. It's in page, on page um, 28, if you have this book. It says, Prayer is so great that wherever you look in the Bible, it is there. Why? Because everywhere God is, prayer is. And since God is everywhere and infinitely great, prayer must be all pervasive in our lives. You see, the people, the disciples, they understood the importance of prayer, and so they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. Well, maybe that's where we start, and and that was Eli's prayer. Maybe we start with, Lord, give us this desire. Teach us how to pray. We have a vision. We know what we want. We want a relationship with with you that that gets us there where we're like friends face to face. We want to have such a strong prayer life and, 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 and to see things move based on that, that people recommend that others come to us. But right now we know where we're at. And so Lord, teach us how to do this. Teach us to pray. And I don't have a, a lot of time. We're running out of time really fast. But I, and I have so much information. Guys, I've been loading myself up for like six months on this subject and so I feel like, five weeks? How can I do this in five weeks? Uh, it's just crazy. I have, my notes, we're right here. And I have all that left to talk about. That is very, very abnormal. But we're just, I got so much. God has really put on my heart so much when it comes to this. So I'm going to try and get us Uh, Through uh, some of these points and some of these uh, directives today And so there are three misunderstandings or three reasons people really struggle with prayer And I think these are the foundations of struggles when we when we talk right up front And so we're going to hit these one is God's sovereignty Two is God's unchangeability and three is God's inability to hear us These are things that we absolutely struggle with I think in our minds And I want to explain to you why I think these are true There are two misunderstandings when it comes to God's sovereignty. The first one is this. God is the supreme ruler. That's what it means when God is sovereign. (coughs) God is the supreme ruler. He is going to do what he wants, so it doesn't matter if I pray. Wrong. Wrong. That is just not true. In fact, when we look in the scripture, we see two things. We see God's unconditional will and God's conditional will. We see that there are certain things that are put into play that no matter what we pray, it doesn't change. For instance, it requires believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord for us to be saved. That's like done, God's will. Jesus died for your sins, no other way to heaven, unconditional. But then there's also these areas that we can see where God moves. God moves. God changes, and he's just waiting for us to pray. One of my favorites is in Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 7.14, when he tells his people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Does God have the ability to hear from heaven to heal their sins or to heal their land? Yes. What is he waiting for? His people to pray, to get away from their sins, to communicate. I mean, that's, what, that's if I, or if you, then I. And we see that throughout Scripture, don't we? That means that God, who is sovereign, who is all-powerful, who is the su- supreme ruler, who can do crazy, mighty things, is waiting for you to pray. We see one example right there, and there are many in the Scripture. So do not think that your prayers do not matter. They very, very much do matter. The next thing we see here, and I'm moving pretty fast, is there are people that don't really believe that God is the supreme ruler. That is the other problem or misunderstanding we have with the sovereignty of God. They don't really believe that God is the supreme ruler, that he can do what he wants, and that prayer really matters because listen to me, if we really did know and understand and believe wholeheartedly that our God is the supreme ruler of the universe, I believe we would address him every minute of every day. I do. I believe that. I mean, it's, it's like, and, and I don't, this is a bad comparison, but it's a good comparison at the same time. It's like somebody that I really highly respect walks in the room that is amazing, maybe one of the best golf players, players ever, maybe Tiger Woods is on the golf course with me. One, I ignore him. He tells me, ask me anything that you want. I don't ask. And two, I kind of just walk away and do my own thing. That's what it seems like in our relationship with God, because we don't really believe and understand that he is truly the supreme ruler. His kingdom reigns. Let's read this scripture, Psalms 103, 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his, his kingdom rules over all. It rules over all. So when you're talking to the supreme ruler, I mean, that's a big deal. One, we should have the fear of the Lord. And two, I mean, just like that with the relationship with Moses, a, a friend to friend. Man, understanding that, knowing that means we can go and approach him and talk to him about all kinds. We have the ear of the supreme ruler, I mean, what, a, what a big deal, what a big deal. I have to move on. God's unchangeability. I've heard people say, why pray? The Bible says God doesn't change. Well, let's talk about that. Sure, there are scriptures like James 1:17 that says that, you know, God, there is no variation. God doesn't change. There are other scriptures as well, but here's a reality of this. God's character doesn't change, but God's mind does and we can see that in Scripture. One of my favorites, and we're not going to turn there, is, is, is in Exodus 32, 1 and 7 through 14, when Moses is on the mountain with God, and God says, you know what, Moses? Your people are down there. They have built an idol, and they are worshiping that idol. I am going to go down, and I am going to destroy your, these people, and I'm going to build a kingdom with you. Well, that sounds like a pretty good deal, doesn't it? I mean, Moses is like, wait a second. I no longer have to deal with those people, and you're going to use me to build a kingdom? All right, cool, 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 cool. Let's do this. But no, Moses stands in the gap, intercedes for these guys, and says, Lord, you cannot do this. Remember, remember their ancestors. Remember Abraham. Remember Isaac. Remember Jacob. Remember the deal that you made with those people. And the Bible says that God relented, that God decided that God actually, the same word that we use for the word repent is the word that they used right there, that God turned from his decision, that God changed his mind. So we have that opportunity. God does, his character doesn't change, doesn't change. But our prayers and the way we address him, it can change his mind on certain things. We see that in scripture. Read your Bible and you will recognize it in there. The next one. God's inability to hear us, I, and, and, and this is difficult, isn't it? How many people know that the world is noisy? I mean, it is noisy. It is loud. The universe is loud. It's hard for us to hear God, and we feel like it's hard for God to hear us, but that is not what the Bible tells us. In 1 John 5, 14, going to throw that up there for me, CJ. I'm actually just going to turn to it. 1 John 5, 14, it says, and this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. He hears us. We, we can have confidence in that. That's what the Bible tells us. We can have confidence in that he hears us. So here's what we know. God is the supreme ruler, and we get to go before the supreme ruler, and we can talk to him, and there is a a way to build a friendship with him, that God's character doesn't change, but we see in the scripture that his mind does, and that when we ask things according to God's will, he hears us. So let's start with some action steps this week, and I want to talk about these just real, real briefly, action steps. We are going to practice, practice, practice our prayer life. That's what we're going to do, church. The next five weeks, we are going to dedicate ourselves as a, as a staff, and hopefully you will as well, that you will make that decision that you're going to dedicate yourself to practicing your prayer life. That's how you're going to get better. That's how we're going to reach those, those goals and those visions that we have for us in our prayer lives as a church. We're going to practice, practice, practice. We as a church have put some things in play that hopefully will help you and help us develop and grow in our prayer life. One of the ones is what Eli gave you, was this prayer card. As we were sitting around talking about maybe how we can uh, grow in this, for the next five weeks, we want you to carry this around, which Eli said, and we want you to pull this out a couple of times a day, and we want you just to address God. We want to create this little habit to where when the five weeks is done, you do it on your own without the card. And what does that do? That develops that relationship with him that you're addressing him all the time. We also have these magnets. These are out there. We didn't pass these out. But you have those five things that you can stick on your fridge. And when you go to get food out, boom, time to pray. You're going to eat. You're going to feed your body. Well, you're also going to feed your spirit at the same time. And so these are just opportunities, little things, for us to get in the habit of praying, for us to, to remember to address the Lord during that time. What else do we have? We have the United Service. United Service tonight, we want you to write on that board your prayer requests, and we want you to come, and we want you to worship, and we want you to, do, uh, to pray for those things as well, to get prayer and to pray for those things. In fact, worship is very, very important. St. Augustine has this quote, and I love it. It says, he who sings prays twice. He who sings, prays twice. <coughs> Excuse me. It's important for us to lift up that praise to the Lord. We have our prayer Mondays, and this is something that is new that we're doing just for the next five weeks. On Monday from noon to one o'clock, we want you to dedicate yourself to prayer. Now, I know a lot of you can't come here, but we are going to have the the church open. We're going to have the auditorium up and running. We're going to do a, a little bit of worship during that time. We're going to do some specific prayers. We're going to do some group prayer, and we're also going to do some, some separate prayer during that time. And if you want to be able to come and join us for that every Monday from noon to one, you can. But I know there's a lot of people that can't. But what we're hoping is <coughs> that that's roughly your lunch hour. And from noon, <coughs> excuse me, from noon to one every day, wherever you are, you will join us in prayer. And then on the Monday before school starts, which I believe is next Monday, we're actually going to fast our lunches during that time and we're going to pray for schools and administration and you know all of those things that go along with that parents, teachers. And so we want to encourage you to do that with us. So that's the only one we're fasting on, but the rest of them we're going to pray for that hour together. All of these things are to help us to kickstart, to initiate this habit of recognizing and honoring God. (coughs) We also have the magnets, which I mentioned. And so that's important. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) I don't know what is going on. Lord, help me. (sighs) But this is important for us to really get in the habit of praying. I was, a couple of weeks ago, and and I was convicted of this, my wife and I had a a really good conversation. There was a a young lady that came, and she was struggling with one of her kids, and of course I was struggling with one of of mine at the time, and she asked this question. She said, "What, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? I just don't understand. I feel like I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. And I told her, you know what? I ask that question often as well. What am I doing wrong? And it felt like one time when I asked that question, <coughs> God actually asked a question of me. And it was, when was the last time did you pray for your kid? And not just mention him or throw him up in a quick prayer. I mean, really, really pray for your kid. And I was like, you know what, Lord? I, that's a, I mean, that, that hit like a ton of bricks. Because there's power in prayer, and we know this, don't we, church? And I have tried every physical thing to really set my kids up to be successful in what I believe should be their path. <coughs> but we often make the mistake of leaving out the Lord. And, and that is the most important ingredient, church, it's the most important ingredient. And it's not just in raising our kids. It's the most important ingredient in our marriages. It's the most important ingredient in our businesses. It's the most important ingredient in our churches. It's the most important ingredient in our friendships. Church, it is is time that we get the Lord involved in our lives. And we're going to do that by growing and increasing our prayer life. The last section of this book, and and I want to close with this, is almost poetic. It is actually poetic. But at the end of every one of these paragraphs, he has a single sentence. And then he finishes with a big paragraph that I'm I'm going to read to you. But each one of these sentences just were fantastic. The first one is this. Prayer is a natural human instinct. Prayer is a nourishing friendship. Friendship. Prayer changes those and the people around us. Prayer is a journey. Prayer helps us endure. Prayer means knowing yourself as well as God. Prayer changes things. Prayer is a refuge. Prayer changes us. Prayer unites us with God Himself. Prayer is awe, intimacy, struggle yet the way to reality there is nothing more important or harder or richer or more life altering there is absolutely nothing so great as prayer father we're thankful for your word and your truth And lord we want that deep friendship with you we want a moses like prayer life we know we're not there yet Father, we ask this day that you would move us that direction, that we would create these disciplines in our lives, that we would acknowledge you, and that we would start to work on that friendship and that relationship every single day. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.